Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom Bear, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, once I was accepted into the Care Bears family, I was renamed Geeky Heart Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would be a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> you would. Yeah, like, like I said before on air, it was my default favorite animal when I was a kid, because every kid must have a favorite mm. animal, as decreed by law. I was um, renamed Two Heart Dog. And two Heart? Like, number two or Too Much Heart? That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> it's never written out. And I, I'm, I'm Dom there, the dominatrix-themed Care Bear. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of ways to show you're caring. <laughs> See, we were, we were just talking about how we were happy that our fan fiction didn't go to the... A sexual place, and you just had to take it there, Dom, so I, I don't I, know what to say to you right I now. I didn't have a cute animal wanted to be, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as we know, bear is the default. Yeah. <laughs> just like white and male are the default for humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bears well, are the, the default for magic animals. protagonist for this fan fiction is a white male bear, so. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Actually white. <laughs> Actually white. Yeah. Now, just before we started recording, Tori, you asked me, why are we doing Care Bears again? Mm-hmm. And there's two reasons. Once, as I mentioned at the end of last uh, week's episode, it was a stream of consciousness decision coming from the fact that this was our Valentine's Day episode. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to do anything major shipping. But Valentine's Day is all about selling greeting cards, and Care Bears is all about selling greeting cards originally. Mm-hmm. And that led me here. And also, Dom and I, I think, are coming from a similar place on Care Bears, which is that we saw the second movie yeah. a lot. When you're a kid... I see. When, when you're a kid that, that grew up in the 90s, I guess. Or yeah. A, hashtag yeah. 80s kids, whatever. I mean, I was I loved the cartoon yeah. growing up. Like, I watched it all the time, and it was like, when I was like four years old, or I don't know, five, I don't know when it came out. But anyway, when I was young, it was this peak yeah. height of, like, drama for me, because I understood it, and it was still dramatic, there wasn't that same like curiosity of like what the heck's going on. But mostly so. is the phenomena where you have five or six tapes. Right. And, and one of them is the second Care Bears movie. Exactly. See, I, I just watched it on TV. <laughs> I don't remember the second movie. I'm sure I saw it, but I just watched it as it came out on television. That's all I remember. Does anything ring a bell about summer camp? Care Bears? What, were you concerned no. about who was the camp champ? <laughs> I was not at all concerned. Oh. Not, not, well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe when I was four, I was. I can't remember, y'all. I Wait, was like you, four. Were you despondent about your huge, uh, um, miraculous marble shooting abilities? No? Yes. Actually. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring that up. <laughs> no, yeah, no. that was kind of insensitive. You just rewatched that movie in question. Yes. Um, I, I did it at some point despite the fanfic I think mm. <laughs> when I was supposed to be reading I, I stopped and rewatched it because I well just the nostalgia hit me too much I think I had to see it visually and how does the second Carrie Bears movie hold up in the cold harsh light of 2019 it's okay mm. it's actually okay I was expecting poor um, 90s cartoon quality but it was decent 90s cartoon quality yeah, we were 80s? just talking about this it was 90s Pretty positive, mm. because I feel like I watched the show when it was coming out. Somebody, well, we'll get on the interest to Google it quick. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, we were just talking about this in the car, that the animation kind of holds up. The colors are surprisingly bright in the show. Like, I feel like a lot of 
early 90s animation or late 80s, whatever we decided is, was really washed out. Colors yeah. turned out really bright, and the movements, you were talking about the motion, was they, particularly they interesting. Made some, they made some interesting, like, acting choices. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the technical term for, for that would be, but, like, movements. Blocking. For, blocking choices <laughs> yeah. for the characters. Like, um, odd flourishes. Like, the one that caught my attention was that, at one point, Darkheart, the shape-changing bad guy, changes into a vulture. And instead of just going, ah, and fighting off, it stops and, like, stretches a leg mm. in an interesting way, then hops off. And it kind of adds a little bit of character, I think. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And, by the way, yeah. it's it's straight-up 80s. The Deke series was 85. The Nelvana oh, series yeah. was 86 yeah. to 88. The movies are also 80s. So mm. I must have been watching reruns on television. Yeah, I you think know, we were. At the time, yeah, when I was little, I thought, oh, this is just coming out. You, know, you don't think anything else. but yeah. I was actually able to watch this off of archive.org. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the internet like um, the copyright has expired. Archive really? Someone yeah. uploaded a VHS rip, and it's just on archive.org, and you can watch it. Huh? Does that mean that it's actually? But no, it's got to be owned by someone. Uh, yeah, definitely. You, you can rent it off Amazon, I think. Uh huh. But just something about yeah. the like copying a book is like copying a VHS, and that's I I don't know. <laughs> oh, I see. Like the experience we had was watching it on VHS, not watching a nice clean DVD but copy. It, it has like a a plain explanations about what the uh, copyright on this particular file is, and it's um you know you can uh, link it, use it however you want, just don't modify it. Hmm. Uh, I wasn't going to modify the second Carrie's movie, so that's good. Well, I, they put you my plan to the remix, you know, yeah, <laughs> redub. Yeah. Now. When I was looking into Care Bears fan fiction, the thing is, it's not that big a fandom. Like, there's not that many people writing fanfic for it, or they don't seem to have been, and especially about the older material like we're actually familiar with that is retro. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of latched onto the first thing that seemed reasonably well-regarded, and or at least well-regarded by more than one person who I could identify. And so this fanfic is Rise and Fall by Phoenix, how do you say it? Audubon. Audubon? Audubon. Like the Audubon Society. Like the Audubon Society. Okay. Yeah. Wait. I don't know my bird things. That's the author's name? No, that's a character's name. That is both. Oh, dear. I know. Yeah, I got in touch with the author. Oh, well, for one thing, this was recommended by a fan named Kairos R, who created the TV Tropes Care Bears fanfic recommendation page. Uh But it was seconded by at least one other person named Contrary Heart Liger. These are the Mm. the names of Care Bears fans online. And I ran into at least one other fanfic that was drawing multiple Care Bears OCs from other fanfics, and Defender Bear was there. Mm-hmm. I got in touch with the author, um, and he was kind enough to give me a little context about the writing. Oh. He said he was writing it in about 2002, when enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, and it was the 20th anniversary of Care Bears' creation, so there was a whole lot of, like, nostalgia boom re-releases and stuff. Ah. Now I'm just and trying to imagine some, like, Air Force dude reading, like, writing Care Bears fanfic. Yeah, that's what like, happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, just to, to put that spin on it, obviously anybody can write Care Bears fanfiction, be yourself, but... but it's not who I would have guessed. <laughs> yeah, the stereotype of somebody in the military is quite different. He wrote it in 2002, put it on a Care Bears fan forum, and posted to fanfiction.net in 2003. And he said he got some good responses and had intended to write more with the character, but, you know, didn't get much down. Mm. Um, and then got distracted by other things like current occupation and family stuff. And he says, thinking back, this is the quote that he gave me, the writing may be self-indulgent. 
It wasn't until after I completed the story that I learned about the Mary Sue slash Marty Stew trope, <laughs> which I fear the protagonist oh, may yes. exhibit some of those qualities. Well, I'm glad the author brought up on that up on their own and we didn't have to point it out. Uh, it's interesting because it's... This fanfic's not like... It doesn't make you scream and tear your head off. No. But the ways that it's bad are very kind of standard ways for fanfics well, to, like, have struggles with new characters. Yeah. It's very textbook in some ways. You know, I just, I think it's funny because I'm sure we'll get into this more later, but I just, I didn't have as many problems with the the cookie cutter character because it's Care Bears. Like, I just kept thinking, like, oh, well, it's just kind of this uh, cliché and Care Bears is a show for very young kids, and cliches work. We'll get and into it, but yeah, the character just, being a cliche is not the problem. Uh, the character's role in the story in relation to the oh, characters yes. is the problem. No, that that is that actually <laughs> is a problem. But I will say that I had fewer issues with the character being of Marty's stew. I have trouble saying that it sounds weird. Yeah, we can just it's Care Bears, we should say right? we should use some like gender neutral term. Um, you could also talk about it being an author avatar, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The when the author's handle is the same as the name of the character, you're kind of asking yeah. to be using that terminology. Yeah. Sure, sure. But nonetheless, like, the it's it can't be an author insertion because the character is way too di- two-dimensional for it to actually be... Well, let me draw a distinction a here between person. a self-insert, um, sure. which is when you are, like, literally just writing a version of yourself into the fan fiction. Like, hey, I'm writing this story where I go and meet the Sailor Scouts. Yeah. And probably make out with Makoto. <laughs> Um, yeah, as, as opposed to yeah. as opposed to an author avatar, where the character is not supposed to be you, but like you're doing what the things that you want in the story or the setting through that character. Yeah, um, sure, sure. And I feel like you don't see too much of the former these days, but it used to be a thing, especially in anime fan fiction. The like actual self insert. Uh, the actual self, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this is way more of the. This is the sort of character that I think I would... It's living out of fantasy, which is a lot of what fan fiction is. That I is mean, fan fiction, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, certainly the few times I attempted to write fan fiction when I was like 12 and 13, I was living out a similar fantasy. So So I'd just like to say at the start of this, kind of in the same way that we did for uh, the Digimon fanfic, mm-hmm. like I'm not here to tear into the author. I mm. chose the fanfic because I thought it would be... Uh, because I had some reasons to think it was good, and there's probably some things we're going to complain about, but, like, it's an earnest piece that, you yeah. know, doesn't deserve for us to be, like, super acidic towards it. No, and, and none, none of this does. I mean, we, we always do our best to be fair. We get a little bit upset at rampant sexual assault or, like, sexism. <laughs> yeah, but well... those are those are problems this particular fanfic does not have. That's fair. Yeah, actually, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the problems this fan fiction doesn't have. I was concerned for a, for a moment that might be where it headed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, e- either one of those, but yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't. Well, yeah, let's, maybe we should dig into the up the plot a little because, uh, yeah, there's a few points. The plot of Rise there. and Fall by Phoenix Audubon. Phoenix Audubon. Did we say now, the name of the fan fiction before? We, I mentioned it. Apparently written 2002, published 2002, oh. put on fanfiction.net 2003. And also thanks yeah, to, later to, than I thought, actually. Thanks to the author for reaching out or uh, talking back to us. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, definitely props. I always am happy when the authors do that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. he was saying he's looking forward to hearing what we have to say about it, hopes we enjoy it, was, had a little bit of trepidation about what we'd be saying about it. 
Well, but we'll see. I guess all those feelings are justified. We'll, <laughs> we'll try to be kind knowing that the author is listening. I mean, not that we're not always kind. I just... I know, like to think we are generally sensitive. kind. Yes, I think we're generally kind. But... I'll try to be kind. <laughs> um, so, this fanfic by Phoenix Audubon is about a bear named Phoenix Audubon. Now, he has grown up in a cave raised by a phoenix. The phoenix doesn't seem to have a name. It's just like a it's or the, the phoenix. phoenix. It's the phoenix. Right. And this and is the, the first point that was funny is it's like the phoenix named its child phoenix, but it totally makes sense because the phoenix is like this solitary entity. Like what else <laughs> is it going to call something else? It's like, I'm a phoenix, you're a phoenix. That's a phoenix. So, the other thing's a phoenix, right? So you think it's like naming something not other or something yeah like, this is yeah this is also amy this is also yeah I, I actually really appreciated that naming i really that's what how i thought about it i actually wasn't clear that the phoenix called the bear phoenix i thought that the bear might have just taken on that name when asked what his name was because he didn't have another one they mentioned no. the name a few times before they okay. mentioned the name yeah. way before he ever encounters the characters because they introduce him as Phoenix Audubon. Then yeah, that's that's kind of a cute read it's on it. Because written in third person. Because the first thing that happens, we don't see any like you know, uh, any daily life here. The first thing that's happening is the phoenix is dying, and usually phoenixes will be reborn in a big cloud of fire and continue to do their phoenixy thing. In a big X Men event, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be fire and life incarnate. Yeah. But this particular time, the phoenix says. I know that you're supposed to be part of a family. Couldn't find them for you. That's why I raised you. But, like, in this death, I'm going to not resurrect and instead pass on my power to you to give you magical powers. And the first thing the phoenix kind of intends for him to do with that is find his family. Which is very kind. It's a little strange that the phoenix cannot do that, but by turning into magical power, he can do it with magic. Yes, it, that is quite strange. But it, there is actually a mention of the fact that the spell that Phoenix performs to find, not the Phoenix, but Phoenix Audubon the bear, <laughs> uses to find his family, requires him to have something personal, an image of a family member. It, he's closer to his family than than Ah, uh, the Phoenix the could Phoenix not was. do it to find anyone the other Phoenix than the Phoenix's related. own family. That kind of exactly, makes sense. Exactly, yes. So I think that was the implication. Yeah. It's like that spell if you kill a dragon, you kill all its offspring or something, but it's nicer in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. What is that, Order <laughs> of the Step? I think so. I think they do that also. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I also did in this other D&D fan fiction I read. That's interesting. That's a thing, I guess. So Phoenix gets to mourn the Phoenix a little bit. I, okay, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad the Phoenix was... is out of the fanfic now, so we don't have to worry about this anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can I can I just also say I was I'm sorry for for talking so much, but this was just the first thing that struck me is right after the Phoenix dies, the first thing Phoenix the bear does is says, "Oh hey, I have magic now." It's and weird. You're like what? He goes back to mourning the Phoenix a couple yeah, times, but that's not the later. first thing. That's not the first thing he does. <laughs> And so that was the first issue that I actually took with this. Mm-hmm. So it was like, he's literally like, oh yeah, here, let me read this out. The phoenix is dying. Um, phoenix, the bear, watched the world around him fade in a white light, and he felt a warm, soothing sensation in his body. He opened his eyes and looked in the mirror. This time he saw himself surrounded by the fiery image of a bird. And that's, oh, I meant forgot to mention the phoenix burst into flames right before that, but. So that was a given, yes. Yeah. <laughs> My spirit will still keep you safe. The echo in his head soon faded. So now I can use magic. I suppose you should try this out before I blow myself up with it. Phoenix contemplated his first move. It's like, that's your first reaction. Like there should probably be an emotional beat there. contact. Well, what I think is 
your caregiver, your yeah. par- your only parent, your only contact, like, in the whole world just exploded. Yeah. And you're like, I guess I should figure out how to use my magic. Yeah, but their stuff is cool. Let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Phoenix leaves him a book. It's kind of weird. Like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, um, like, it's necessary to have a scene where they train with their magic powers. Mm-hmm. But I think it would have been better is that would have happened long before this Phoenix thing had, the Phoenix had died. So, like, maybe if the Phoenix had been sharing magic powers over a period of time and also had been training Phoenix Audubon as, as it had been going on, and then, like, as it died, there was the final amount, amount of power. So, like, they, they could start it with just the morning, the, the passing of the, of the Phoenix, the bird. There's a lot mm. of ways you could do it. It could even be that the Phoenix had been training him to use magic without actually having the ability to. Yeah, that too. And then it's like, okay, now you can actually yeah. put all this practice into effect. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think as somebody who's read a lot of... Um, first chapters of shonen and manga that there's a lot of different ways that you can do this yeah the way they do it is a little bit clumsy because the phoenix leaves him a book yeah he uses a spell from that book to find his family but for the entire rest of the fanfic he does not refer to the book and he's just using like innate feeling natural talent like feeling it out check out spell book yeah <laughs> though <laughs> yeah i guess that's fair <laughs> yeah because it does become relevant but anyway we'll get to that though i do think like for all the criticism you can place on the opening of this for being you know a little bit forced i suppose it completely follows that shonen narrative and that american you know that american narrative it's like dragon heart like it's like all this media that we consume mm-hmm. i, I want to give the offer author props for making this like a perfect pulp opening like mm-hmm. there's so many things you can criticize in it because the same things you criticize in shonen and like pulp media that's just like brash young hero loses parental teacher figure and sets out on their own but has a lot of power but has a lot of power all of a sudden perfectly follows that same narrative like the author did a great job following the same narrative like they really don't falter in that and i do think it would be easy to lose the props for that because it feels cliche but Mm. like it actually takes some effort to construct that yeah that that is like the only real problem I have with it. It's like I wish I could could have tweaked it at the time to make it a little bit better. Yeah. And now as we're talking, it makes me really w- want to watch My Hero Academia more. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for the next season. Come on. So Phoenix casts the spell to find his family. Like Dom mentioned, he needs like a picture or something, but he uses his own reflection. And I guess that's fair because all Care Bears kind of look really. Uh, <laughs> the same well the spell specifically mentions that in a pinch if you don't have a picture of a family member your own picture will work because you have dna ties them or something mm-hmm. and it was nice foreshadowing in the author's part to mention the mirror when they first started out and then bring it back right away i thought they did a good job with that and also all the care bears do look alike just different. <laughs> they look super like even the horse looks like a bear <laughs> <laughs> noble heart horse's design always bothered me like it's just not quite hoarse enough doesn't it have a heart and nose just like the bears instead of having like two nostrils like it does not look like a horse i thought that was yeah, a bear sounds right yeah tori and i were talking before about how noble heart horse was just designed very flamboyantly <laughs> yes <laughs> well dom was talking about how they were unsure if it was like noble heart and was it true, true heart, heart were like a gay couple or like what the idea was that's how it's supposed to be coded <laughs> yeah. right but then realizing through the wiki and also this fan fiction obviously is familiar because they say that 
True Heart is a girl and Noble Heart is a guy. Well, because like my frame of but, reference was the second movie. Yeah. And I watched the second movie with that in mind, and they use her once in the entire movie when talking about uh, True Heart Bear. Mm. So they never even say what gender Noble Heart They is. also don't gender most of the other characters because everybody just calls each other by their proper name. Yeah, that's right. fair. And that was another thing I was bringing up is that Care Bears having genders was a very weird part of this fan fiction for me. And I, can't, like, I, can't, I don't think of Care Bears as having gender. Yeah, I can't remember what I thought as a kid. <laughs> I don't think I thought of them as having gender as a kid, but that's because I was like four years old and gender wasn't really that much of a thing. Yeah, it wasn't constructed. Like if somebody <laughs> didn't have a gender, it didn't really matter. And I noticed this as a non binary person who works with kids. The elementary schoolers, they'll always be like, You're not a boy or a girl, what are you? And I always tell them, I'm a person. Yeah. You know, but they always have the question. The four year olds I work with, does not matter to them. <laughs> and there's definitely, like, a difference when they go from the preschool to the elementary where it becomes a cemented thing. Yeah. So I think because I was so young when I watched this, I just didn't think about it, you, you know? Should, you should just tell the uh, elementary school kids you're a Care Bear. That'll make sense. Yeah. yeah, totally. Sometimes, you know, I tell them I'm a dog, but they they, just, <laughs> they don't believe it. <laughs> I'd be suspicious, I think. <laughs> I'm fuzzy like a dog. <laughs> I can go woof. If we're talking about True Heart Bear and Noble Heart Horse, what's mm-hmm. more important than their gender is the fact that they're clearly stupendous badasses. Yeah. Yeah, they're just like, uh, just universally known as the toughest Care Bears, period. Like, I mean, in the second movie, aren't they like, well, we've got you all set up, we've raised you all ourselves with a whole bunch of star nannies, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna go pursue the devil, you guys just stay here and hold yeah. the fort. Yeah, you all chill. Right. <laughs> they're kind of crazy that way. I don't know if this fanfic, like, I, I think it, it does a good job portraying them, but I don't know if it fully acknowledges, like, how badass they are. Look, their their tummy symbols are a heart inside a rainbow star and a star inside a rainbow heart. Yeah, and you it, don't get more badass than that in a Care Bears true, context. except the, for Defender Bear here. Well, okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> let's, let's come with the fanfic, but one thing, other thing I did want to mention is it was just about the conversation Dom and I were having before is that if Noble Heart Horse is really supposed to be a dude mm-hmm. he's hella gay very that's, much so that's that probably aesthetic true, yeah. is so gay <laughs> so like it's kind of awesome <laughs> yeah I, it really is yeah. like I mean it's it's definitely like gay it's definitely a lesbianish too you and know like, like it just skirts the line but, I love, but also I love like aesthetic. very strong yeah yeah I buy True Heart and Noble Heart as non-romantic life partners. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, they created a whole society together. Yeah. So they must have this whole idea of, like, it's this whole idea of partnership to raise children, but doing it, like, in a non-sexual way, because you can't really sexualize a Care Bear, as this fanfic demonstrates. Well, they're also, like, very individual, because at one point, the heart and the the horse and the bear split up the the, the children oh yeah true heart goes down to earth and it oh they split up the children yeah the, the, the true heart uh, the the horse takes all the all the cousins oh, of course goes to the force of feelings and just raises it by themselves apparently just cuz mm-hmm. <laughs> just cuz uh, <laughs> so the fanfic <laughs> wait what Phoenix tracks down a few members of the Care Bears family who are down on a caring mission. It's a generic caring mission. They're fighting off some shadows that no heart sent. No heart. Not, yes, not, not dark, dark heart, heart. Not cold heart. No. No, no heart. heart. <laughs> no heart sent. And they're having a lot of trouble with these shadows. Usually you just kind of Care Bear stare them. But for some reason it seems like no heart is growing stronger. And did I miss something or is there no explanation in the fanfic for why that is? There's no explanation. Okay. okay. I don't think. Is I, there? I, I don't know. 
I was wondering if I missed something. <laughs> no, Nohart is just stronger now, so they're having trouble fighting these shadows. And they're like, we drove those off, but it shouldn't have been that hard, and we need to go call a meeting about I this. I thought that was shadowing something. Foreshadowing. Well, yeah, but it, but nothing came of it. Well, yeah. I mean, no, there's this whole thing with the um, the carrying meter going down and this this dark thing that Nohart created at one point. That's um, later on, though. That's later on. He doesn't yeah, get so... he doesn't get a hold of that stone that Professor Coldheart created right. until later. At this point, oh, he's just right. stronger for no reason than he has been. Yeah. So, so he really doesn't. Okay. Yeah, we'll go through the fanfic stuff I said right. because now I'm feeling like they were trying to say that he had this stone from Professor Coldheart, but he didn't until later. Huh? It felt like a plot thread that was set up and then kind of just got mm-hmm. lost in the shuffle. Um, but anyway. Phoenix does not step in, even though he sees them. He sees them do their Care Bear Scare stuff. He sees them fly back up in a cloud car, and he's like, oh, I guess they live up in the clouds. Okay. Okay, cool. He, he has a short conversation with the girl that they saved, and she's like, are you a Care Bear? And he's like, uh, am I? <laughs> she's like, well, you look like one, except that with the white tummy. Um, and it, there's kind of this pull, push and pull early on where Phoenix like is going after these this family that he's supposed to have lost, but also is, like, really shy about it. And it kind of works. It's pretty cute, actually. Like, I, I like that as a character point that he he can observe them. Like, it works as a, as a, a good plot device that he's shy because he can observe them and he can see these things happen to them without getting involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's also bad at small talk, and it happens multiple yes. times that, like, a conversation <laughs> will just stop and he'll just be staring at them for a little bit. Actually, that's the part that feels like an author insertion. <laughs> and I don't know the author, so I'm not going to assume, but it, it was very personal to me. And, like, I actually I related to his experience a lot. That's the main point I liked about this is he was so awkward. He didn't know what to say, and he didn't approach them because he didn't know what to say. And that's totally reasonable. Like, And it felt like the author was really using something personal for that because it made a lot of sense. He's actually surprisingly well socially adjusted for someone who literally only talks to one other person for their whole life. And bird. I thought about that too. I was one like, how bird. does he know all these things? Like, but then they there's sort of a reference to the Phoenix showing him, him stuff, taught yeah. him stuff. So I was like, okay, I guess I accept that. It's that sort of logic. Well, it's like they, the Phoenix knows what a laptop is. I told him what a laptop is. Yeah. But did yeah. not have an internet connection or a laptop. <laughs> right. But it's one of those things you kind of have to brush off in, like, the fantasy setting of, like, suspension of disbelief sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. As nerds, we can't. Yeah. I mean, we have to accept that Phoenix is, like, at least basic social skills despite having been raised with only one other person because it's... Otherwise, it would be too hard to go through this. Yeah. Yeah, If we can give Goku a pass, we can give Phoenix a pass. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) It's very shown. There you go. Now, I don't remember whether they could have a meeting about this. Do the bears go have a meeting? And they have a meeting to introduce. Yeah, okay. So so first, I think they're just heading back. I forget the exact blow-by-blow, but Phoenix doesn't expose himself to them and introduce himself right then, but he kind of goes after them once he figures out how to fly, which, again, is pretty easy. He's mostly winging it on the magic. And (laughs) winging it. uh, (laughs) It's flying. And birds. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Wait, what? (laughs) And the uh, the Care Bears that he's following are attacked on their cloud car by No Heart in the form of a giant spider. Which and is messed up. Oh, yeah, spiders, say. right. I was thinking that Tori would enjoy that part a lot. <laughs> oh, my God. No, actually, this is the part that I thought was especially well-written of anything. <laughs> because 
they do this thing where they describe the spider being very small and then slowly growing bigger as it mm. approaches the Care Bears. That Oh, yeah, immediately their car crashes into its web and they get stuck in the web. And they see a small spider that slowly grows bigger. And I thought that was so evocative. And, like, maybe it was only my fear of spiders, but I really think the author did a good job describing the legs, the growing, and the... Ugh. I can just imagine that a it lot of animation of that, too. Yeah. I, yeah, it totally <laughs> came out of my mind as this, like, cartoon spider. Like, it reminded me of um, the uh, of Shelob in the um, Return of the King yeah. animated movie. Like, it just... That sprung out of my mind, mm-hmm. which is a very well-animated movie, by the way. Now, these Care Bears are unable to fight off... Um, fight off No Heart who is also, I mean, stronger than usual, but also no heart should be kind of hard to deal with because he's the medium big bad. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the big bad of that particular series. And Phoenix gets to swoop in as cavalry and be all, like, magic dueling. And, um, I mean, the fact that he can just... I, I'm still a little bit stuck on the fact that he had a spell book and was like, use the spell book, but now, like, immediately afterwards, it's like, no, you can just wing it with the magic it's fine yeah just jazz improvises a lot of stuff yeah like you've performed one proper spell and now you basically just can intuit what to do but he gets to drive no heart off in a little magic duel no heart's not expecting that kind of opposition like hey a carrier that can use magic and he he gets driven off being like next time (laughs) or however no heart talks no heart's fast enough again exactly But then Phoenix kind of stares at them and then disappears again. Like he, he like jumps off the cloud or whatever. Uh-huh. And so then they get to go back and have a meeting. The other bears. I don't even remember what bears they are in particular. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> except that Wish Bear is among them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, now, um, has Phoenix met Wish Bear at this point? Oh, not actually met. The significant part's going to come in just a moment when they're I searching think. for Phoenix. Because they go back and they say... They have a big Care Bear meeting. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a thing before that. Anyway. Was there? I think he saw her and had a feeling. Oh, he saw her and had a feeling, yes. Yeah, which was like the first sense of like, there's going to be something here. It's like, that bear is beautiful. That bear looks like just that. like all the other bears, but a different color. That teal <laughs> color is just so entrancing. It's like he gets a fluttery feeling in his chest the first time he sees her. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, oh, that's weird. And that's why I thought this fan was going to go to a weird place, but it didn't. It doesn't really know. No, it's not that weird. Maybe it's a very cool color. I don't know. A turquoise is a cool color. I approve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would go for fun shine bear, but that would be much more fun. Shine. This is true. Bear. 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 (laughs) Noble heart horse is my jam. (laughs) With that mane. Whoa, boy. Uh, Noble Hard Horse is Uncanny Valley for me. It's not even Uncanny Valley because it's nothing close to looking like realism. It's just, like, not horse enough. It doesn't look anything. Uh, It has, like, the same hard nose. It doesn't have nostrils. It's the same hard It looks like a bear. I just just can't take Noble Hard Horse. (laughs) Noble Hard Horse literally looks like a bear with a mane. End of story. Okay. So they call a big Care Bears meeting. And, you know, they're some kind of true Greek democracy where all decisions are made by consensus. Um, and basically they're like, no heart's magic seems to be stronger. That's no good. Mm-hmm. Also, there mm-hmm. was this magic bear who showed up and blasted no heart. That seems good. But then he disappeared. That seems bad. Mm-hmm. So how about we split up and go look for him? And that's when he meets Wish Bear. Yeah. Wish Bear is one of the little contingent that goes to search the forest of feelings, right? 
Yeah. yeah. Isn't that where Phoenix ends up? Somewhere. Yeah. And, like, none of the cousins are there because they, like, were all at the meeting. Um, and so Wishbear is the one who eventually stumbles into him. And that's kind of their, other than the physical attraction that clearly can exist with, uh, a, yeah. with a plush bear who looks just like you. Is, is there a meet-cute? It, it's their meet-cute with, like, actually some kind of connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she talks him, you know, he's easily spooked, but she talks him into, like, going and meeting her family. He introduces himself for his name first time. And it's kind of weird that... Yeah. What's that? Uh, go on. I'm not you're saying it's kind of weird that... The other bears find it weird when he's like, oh, I'm Phoenix Audubon. And they're like, okay. Yeah. At one point he's like, were they expecting a name that ended in bear? Yeah. And yes, they were definitely expecting yeah. that. Yeah. Was that after he was slinking around uh, Carolot Invisible? Oh, was he slinking around Carolot Invisible oh, like a creepo? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. I did not um, remember that. Once he figures out where Carolot is, because he follows them, because he's learned to turn invisible, he creeps around. And maybe that's when he first sees Wish Bear and has his weird fluttery chest No, I think she was feeling, down on Earth. Or, uh, she she was know. in the party that was attacked by yes. Heart. okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he does that for a minute because he's just shy. Like, relatable. Yeah. And like one of the, the Carewear cousins almost sniffs him out. <laughs> right. But there is this interesting part with, like, um, when Wish Bear, she chases after him and finds him, and he feels cornered, and then he finally feels safe and comfortable around her. And it was kind of sweet, because they have this connection. You don't know what predicates this connection, but they have this connection, and that that's kind of cute. But it does feel a little bit off for Care Bears, because, like I said, I could never conceptualize Care Bears as having gender, no, that's related, but I also could never conceptualize them having sexuality. And this made me think about Care Bear romance. <laughs> and that was just weird, because to me, they are stuffed animals. You didn't like, ship Secret Bear and Wish Bear. No, it's not over Wish Bear. Secret Bear and Friend Bear. Secret it, Bear will only, like, just, talk to it's Friend so Bear. Con- it's so... Con- I mean, <laughs> like, I get it now that I'm looking at this as an adult that... You could see things that way, but something about the the child consumption of this media that I have is not compatible. I just well, that's why I we read know. fan fiction, Tori, they're, to expand our horizons. Because they're not even animals; they're like they're just inanimate objects brought to life. Like, they, I well, can't. wait, are you talking about in continuity or in their like I design? Don't even know. In, in continuity, there are all individual orphans that just happen to, to look, look the same. Yes, I just still think of them as stuffed animals, like because this was a cartoon series created based on a toy line, and for some reason, based this toy cards? line in particular. But was it was reading cards? Re- I thought there was a toy line first. It was probably cards. Then, hmm. I don't remember whether the first animated specials that no. predated the TV series or the merchandise came first. They probably were coming out at the same time. Well, I it, don't know. It was a big thing at the time to create cartoons to promote toys. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I assumed it was toy-based franchise. Uh, speaking of toys, assumption, yeah. apropos of nothing, one of my mom's best friend when I was little had a baby Tugs bear, and I was so jealous. <laughs> I remember her at one point being like, do you want to play with it? And I was like, yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I said it, but like, she let me play with her baby tugs. Yeah, the, um, I was like, like that with a cousin's Transformer. <laughs> yeah. Those are both franchises that were just like a, a more, like a few years before us in certain ways. Like people like a little older than us had those toys more than we did. Yeah. I, and I, they seemed very delightful. You I, know? I had the old VHS, but I had, yeah. didn't have any of the toys. Yeah, I never got a Care Bear. Like, all the Care Bears I found were, like, at garage sales and stuff. Because I was born in 89. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just 
predated my time. I mean, if there's still toys like that in the 90s, you'd be the I don't care bears, right? Gen X people, am I right? <laughs> yeah, like the Bratz uh, dolls. Those are the I don't care bears. Am I right? <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> now, I'd like to point out a weakness of the writing. Um, the Phoenix goes and is introduced to all the bears at and cousins. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be bearish. Like, <laughs> the, the Care Bears yeah. family. Specious? Specious. Um, and introduces himself. And there's a part where he relates everything that's happened in the fanfic so far to them. Mm. And, like, he didn't need to do that. You can, you can elide some of this conversation stuff and, like, after the introductions and after Phoenix had, you know, had explained what brought him there, then we go on to the new content. Yeah. But it's like this big old paragraph of him just describing, like, I was raised by a phoenix and the phoenix died and I used magic to look for the family and I saw them fight. And, you know, it's just... It could have yeah. used another pass. I felt that as well because at that same paragraph I was thinking, this could have all been described as phoenix explained everything that's exactly. happened so far. Exactly. Like, there could have been a sentence that said, phoenix told the story of what had happened so far and then. But instead, they retold it. And I definitely remember thinking that as I was reading it. It's an interesting thing about all these fan fictions. It's all these first-time writers by themselves. Yeah. And usually, especially as a first-time fanfic writer, you don't get feedback and editing first. You throw it out there and see how people respond. Yeah. And so... Sort of like what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, this is exactly what people pictured when they wrote fan fiction in 2002, is that people, uh, you know, 15-ish years later, you know, maybe closer to 20, mm-hmm. would be talking about it on some sort of radio-type show. Sure. And some, yeah. sort of, some sort of weird future platform that didn't exist at the time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I do want to point out the irony of what I was just criticizing, because as I was <laughs> saying that the author was repeating themselves, I realized I had repeated myself and said <laughs> the same thing twice, which is a habit of mine. So I get where the author's coming from, and I do want to say that. Phoenix demonstrates his magic to the assembled bear folks. And after that, he sort of loses control of it. It's just a light show. And then, you know, he loses control of it a little bit. But everyone's very impressed Mm because no one else can do that. Uh, Trueheart, wait, Braveheart Bear moves to invite him into the Care Bear family. And Share Bear speaks out against that and and says, didn't you see what just happened here? His magic backfired on him. Sure, he seems like a nice guy at all, Cher argued, but he's got something he can't fully control. That's a big risk right there. I'm not so sure he could be useful if he can't use his ma- this magic of his properly. Cher Bear. Right. This is what Grumpy Bear is for. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly surprising. what Grumpy Bear is for. Why are you the one who, like, is being the naysayer here? Cher Bear was the only naysayer, and it continued... And it was very, it was very interesting. But I feel like the author was trying to maybe not do the obvious thing, which is strange because they do the obvious thing throughout the rest of the fan fiction. Can we, can we just pretend it was obvious. Grumpy that said that? It would make more sense. Two other people vote against moving him into the family. The other thing about that vote is Share Bear. Hugs and tugs are not part of the family because they are useful on missions. That is not the basis by which people are members of your family. Mm-hmm. Like. They, they can still point. they can still hang out and care a lot. Mm-hmm. Having watched the first half of the first episode, hugs and tugs get themselves in trouble a lot because they're babies. They're like toddlers. Right, and they're so still in diapers. If Phoenix is like not ready to go on caring missions, that's fine. Yeah. Why is that a problem? And almost everybody else agrees, and they vote him into the family. 
Now, if you're going to do a, will we let this person into our in-group vote? Maybe do it in secret. Maybe not yeah. just have them see like, oh, Share Bear doesn't like me. Neither do those two. I'm not sure how Care Bear parliamentary procedure works. <laughs> Apparently, well, parliamentary procedure, I, I just noticed re- rereading this, that True Heart and Noble Heart consult with each other and they say, Share Bear, we understand your concern. So I think we'll let you all vote on this one. So in other words, usually it's just, they just lobbying True yeah. Heart and Noble Heart and then they come to a consensus. Yeah, that was kind of strange. I, I, I was under the impression from canon that like everyone would just get a vote. Right, like, right. True Heart and Noble Heart are like first among equals. They're not like yes. the ones calling the shots. Aren't they like, like the parents though? Well, they're also everyone's parents. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's the interesting thing about the Care Bears universe is that you're looking at uh, like kind of the creator's contention between having a society of equals where everybody loves each other, right? Mm-hmm. But trying to create conflict within the community comes down to like oh well they're also kind of childish and who are the parental figures and who are the siblings like the infighting becomes between the the cousins and the siblings mm-hmm. and the author does this they they say the the parents are like oh well we'll let you decide because you're our our brood basically well because like if you guys don't like them then even if we say it's not going to work anyways mm-hmm. right so it's a decent it's a decent portrayal of a communal type lifestyle that's working very very well for the most part sure i mean it's it's almost communist it's just it's a little bit off with the um it's communist in that everyone's job is just whatever they are good at that they can help with yeah and and, except you have in this portrayal true or noble heart being the ultimate yeah that right there it rang a little strange because why it's stuck in my head Yeah. yeah right kind of the the dictators there but it, it was interesting um mm-hmm. there's not much else to say about it it was interesting <laughs> now phoenix has to make a pledge to uphold the mission and beliefs of the care bear family mm-hmm. and as a bear he gets to be a first class citizen in the care bear family <laughs> now actually this was very enlightening to learn that the the author had been in the military at this time because there is a there's a lot of militaristic aspects to this like yeah, the pledge is... Hold the pledge. You accept the, the responsibility missions. of protecting the people of Earth and their feelings from those who would seek to harm them. So in this context, you cannot be a, a like, what do you call it? Civilian Care Bear. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. in the Care Bear... I don't want to call it the Care Bear military, but it like... It reads like that. Though. Everybody is part of this fight. What's it um, in Star Trek? Like the Expeditionary Force or something? Right. Yeah. I, I assume Hugs and Tugs get a pass because they are babies. I assume. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. In the uh, growing up montage in the second Carabas movie, the, the, the babies didn't do anything until the, they were growing up and re- ready to go. Right, it's right. important to note that, as this fan fiction states, that they receive, and Phoenix is about to receive, a, a tummy symbol, which is power right. from... True heart and noble heart. And so Hugs and Tugs have that that also. Well, Well, they get it from the Great Wishing Star. And I I like, he asked them about about the Great Wishing Star, and he's like, so it's kind of like your boss? And they're like, no, actually, the Great Wishing Star just set us up and then was like, do your thing. Mm -hmm. It does not do any kind of oversight. It uh, narrated part of the second movie. Uh, What's that? It it narrated the beginning of the end of the second movie. Well, that's very useful because they needed to take over for the cloud janitor who narrated the Mm. original cartoon. (laughs) Clouds don't need janitors. Um, Apropos of nothing, 
in terms of my wish list of fanfics I wish somebody would write. Mm-hmm. Care Bears Super Mario RPG crossover where Smithy's sword crashes through the Great Wishing Star yes. and scatters all of the Care Bears. Oh my god. <laughs> you know the tone of those fits in so well. Like, Oh, I would read the hell out of that. You're yeah, a mad person to mama. <laughs> no, I so support that. But you know, Super Mario RPG has its own flavor. It's just special in the world. <laughs> but in this context, Tenderheart is the one uh, who like does the thing that gives Phoenix the tummy symbol. Mm-hmm. It is a blue and white shield with a star on the top section, a heart on the bottom section. Mm-hmm. The name, the Care Bear name they decide on him, or he decides on for himself, because mm-hmm. it's a renaming type ceremony, is Defender Bear. Yes, and the, the first name proposed for him is Unique Bear, and which like, I thought no. was really funny. Everyone was like, no, because it's really singling him out, right? <laughs> um, he's only so the only Care Bear that wears clothes. Now, the question of whether clothed he... Bear. Was, yeah, clothed bear. Why Doesn't, was he raised to wear clothes when the phoenix doesn't wear clothes? Nobody can ever tell us. But what he does do is take off all his clothes yeah. in order to go through the ceremony. Yeah, it was kind of which, a nice touch. It was kind of sweet, yeah. Well, it's like, why was he clothed in the first place then? We don't know. Yeah. But I like that they use the clothing as like a symbol of him kind of giving up his old isolated identity mm-hmm. to become a part of this community. Now, he puts the clothing back on because it's still a part of who he is, but he's willing to take it off. And because the author is aware of what clothing means for our society, I think that red is very powerful. Yeah. But also, in terms of what clothing means for our society, luckily, not in the slightest bit sexual. Mm-hmm, like, the mm-hmm, clothing mm-hmm. is strictly ornamental. It's like earrings. Like, it has nothing yes, to do with... again. Right. I applaud the author for s- implying a romance here, but never implying weird sexual things. And mm-hmm. that's a lot, like, to applaud, because fan fiction does weird sexual things a lot. So, good job. <laughs> also, knowing that the author was in the Air Force, are they making a distinction between uniform and civvies? Good point. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's then, an excellent point. The next longish part of the fanfic is... Uh, he, he's got the name Defender Bear, and that's what they're calling him. Mm. I, I guess we call him Defender now, huh? I always Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, Phoenix. Phoenix gets shown around. It switches. Care a lot, and he kind of checks in with various outfitters. I mean, it's like, oh, well, you go to Graham's for clothes, and you go to uh, Brightheart for equipment, and yeah, it is a little bit more military than you normally expect it to be. <laughs> Braveheart yeah. line for training information. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was kind of like Final Fantasy-esque too, like, you know, you're setting up your whole <laughs> RPG thing, like you get all your equipment lined up. Yeah, so who runs cute. the storage of items that you don't need in your inventory? <laughs> uh, the raccoon, right? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I guess, that. well, the, the raccoon's the shop. Yeah. Um, sort of. Um, the raccoon is an inventor. Right. No, I'm just thinking in an RPG talk context. Yeah, but, it, it, yeah, it's hard oh, to say. Oh, gift. Isn't there a gift bear or the, something? There's everything. Um, that, that would be the storage, I would imagine. Maybe secret bear? <laughs> yeah, but that's not bad. Well, no, secret bear saves your game. <laughs> it doesn't tell of anybody. Of course. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, I did, like, in this sequence that the first place that uh, Phoenix slash Defender Bear goes is to get clothes from from Graham's. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. The, the old lady bear. Um, and he, his first thought is, nobody wears clothes here. <laughs> and then he gets this pile 
of pajamas and formal wear right, and like pajamas, you situational could... clothes, I, right? That I they actually, might wear. I actually love that because that was a point of the second movie where the, yeah. where the little kids were playing with like the, the rain gear mm-hmm. that was right. made for an adult care bear, but they didn't fit in yet. <laughs> yes. And it's perfect because when you think of dressing up your stuffed animal, you're like, most of the time it's just a stuffed bear. Yeah. But I give it these costumes right. because it's raining because, because it's the, going to the ball. No because out there. It's going to bed. <laughs> I I feel like my perfect, Care Bear did have right? pajamas, and that is what I was sure. thinking of. And it's perfect for what Care Bears are. Like, they are toys, and this is a series made about toys. So it was costumes that were cute, but they were necessary in their own way for these situational ideas. And then as Phoenix is leaving, he trips and he stumbles, and he drops all the clothes because there's way too many of them. Mm-hmm. Just as he's thinking, why do I need clothes for at all? And it's it's really kind of adorable. Yeah. It's the Care Bear franchise really well. <laughs> My favorite part of the sequence is when he's checking in with um, Brightheart Raccoon, and he's like, here's your laptop, we have wired internet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, of course Carolot has internet. Cable of internet? Of course it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not satellite? <laughs> Well, it would be satellite now, but this was written in 2002. Well, they had some satellite stuff, but more importantly, they live in clouds in the sky. Yeah. Where where does that cable go? Probably it plugs into some little star buddy somewhere. Poor star buddy. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) But, you know, they live in a cloud world. Like, the clouds also serve as solid ground. So one can imagine they might serve as computer terminals as well. Who knows? Right, right. right. It's Carolot. Carolot. And we I know it sounds a, a bit bizarre, but in Carolot, Carolot, that's mm-hmm. how conditions are. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your reference was good too, Tori. <laughs> Yours was better. Carolot, they care a lot. Carolot, they care a lot. Clap, 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 clap. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Um... Phoenix gets accidentally injured. He gets to use his magic a little bit to heal himself, but he still needs to check in with Take Care Bear, who is the one certified medical doctor. Take Care Bear? Take Care Bear. (laughs) I know. That one's hard because it's like Care Bear. Like, he's just Take Care Bear. Like, yeah. He's the Care Bear named Take. Yeah. Yes. That's the hard part of that name. Which is very selfish. Now, to be honest, like, Take Care... Take care is the way I used to sign my emails. It's very cute. Like, I love the idea of, like, a take care bear. Like, I'm going to take care of you. But when they're in a whole care bear, it's just, like, take care bear, you know? Well, shouldn't it be take care care bear? No, because they don't. It's not, like, wish care no, bear. It's wish right. bear. Wish like, bear. Take care bear. Yeah. Still, nonetheless, it's distressing. Hmm. The main thing after that whole sequence, which is the first half of the second chapter out of three of this is that Defender Bear goes off on his first carrying mission. And they go, they do give him training first. Um, Braveheart Lion is the instructor, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he learns his stuff well enough to be able to go on a mission with Grumpy Bear. And it's sort of a, uh, what do you call it? What you looking for? Like, where it's kind of a test of his abilities, sort of. like A test? A test. <laughs> yes, Grumpy Bear was chosen to accompany Defender Bear and see how he would take care of the problem and it's provide It's a training advice. mission. It's a training mission. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to get feedback and stuff from his, you know, supervisor. Mm-hmm. And there's a little boy named Frank who's being picked on by a bully. That is exactly the kind of thing in the Care Bears universe that is a caring emergency, yes. not like wars in various parts of the world or anything like that. Like, this is the kind of thing that can set that caring meter, like a trembling. 
Because it's a crisis. about children. I know. You just and have to assume it, that war doesn't exist in Care Bear universe. Well, that's probably why there's no Care Bears in ours, because no. the carrying meter hit zero a long time ago. <laughs> yes. In, like, the first war. Right. I actually <laughs> assume that Care Bears aren't designed to handle wars. They're designed to handle the problems of children. Okay. That's fair. The, like, if, if you, you're past 18, no luck. You don't get a Care Bear on your side. Maybe the problem just with saying. wars is that people care too much. Oh. Uh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you know, this was an interesting scene too, though, where where the where he tries to handle the bully, and it's the most stereotypical bully and bullying victim that you could sure, possibly yeah. imagine, of course. Mm-hmm. But go yeah. on, Tori. Well, it was just fascinating because it's a scene where, yeah, it's totally stereotypical. It's an an older, bigger kid picking on a younger, smaller kid and trying to get mm-hmm. his lunch money. Yep. I think because that's the thing people have now. Sure, whatevs. Doesn't matter. Point being that Defender Bear tries phoenix tries to step in and he like kind of aggressively um confronts the bully like i don't remember exactly care bears don't scare me the bully taunted as he took a step forward i'm big enough to take you both on grumpy tried to pacify the young boy no one's looking for a fight here i'm sure we can talk this thing out how about we let my fit do fist do the talking dean threatened he made a fist with his left hand raised it up and was about to lunge forward until he felt something holding his arm back and, you know, Defender Bear has grabbed his wrist with both hands mm-hmm. and then, you know, lifts him up and is like, well, when the bully's like, I told you I'm not afraid of you. What are you going to do? And he's like, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll show you what I can do. And Grumpy has to step in and is like, Defender Bear, like, back the heck off. Don't beat up the little kid. Don't, you don't beat, up the, beat up the small children. <laughs> and but, yet he wants to so bad. And yet it also works. Grumpy tries to salvage it afterwards. He's like, uh, do you see what we were just talking about, Dean? <laughs> If you felt scared just now, think about how Frank over here feels. You shouldn't bully people around like that. And so he, like, spins it into his he more... He a really good job. And, you yeah. know, this is where I'm, like, this is exactly what you do as, like, a teacher or a caregiver for children. Yes, you like, threaten the children. No, not the you... threatening. <laughs> hey, wait, am I doing something wrong? <laughs> you both are teachers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think y'all know what I'm talking about. Like... Where it turns into a teaching moment, right. even though something goes wrong. Right. You have to be like, okay, like, this is where we turn into a teaching moment. But it's really interesting from the perspective of, like, our main character is like, all right, I'll just beat up the bully. That's how I'm going to handle it. And the character's like, these are, like, kids, dude. <laughs> like, you need to calm down. And this is where his kind of, like, lack of social skills come into play. And his lack of understanding of the situation. Right, when would he have ever mediated anything? No, yeah, and, yeah. and, and he, does he even know what a child is? This, <laughs> I mean, like, he got information from the Phoenix, but how much does that translate into actual understanding? And how much yeah. nuance are they able to pull off? Yeah. Well, in terms of nuance, obviously this being Care Bears, just like the bullying situation super stereotypical, it, like, is immediately instantly fixed by Grumpy being a good mediator mm-hmm. instantly. And, like, you just have to accept that as a Care Bears thing. And it's just, like, a funny situation because it's a, a juxtaposition between children's media portraying bullies as villains versus when, you know, you're an actual caregiver for children and you see what could be construed as bullying happen. You see just kids, like, mm-hmm. having conflicts and not expressing their feelings well. And you mediate in a way that isn't violent towards either party. But Defender Ver gets violent towards the the bully in this situation because that's his perception. It's almost like a kid's perception of a situation. Like, one of the kids I work with will often, like, 
perceive other kids being mean to other kids and he'll try to hit them. Mm-hmm. And that's an issue he has. But it's like you see where that emotion's coming from. And Defender Pair is very much like those kids. Like, I'm going to protect the other kid without seeing the caring aspect of it. And I thought this was a nice, kind of sensitive way to put things in perspective. Grumpy Bear was a good choice for the character, too, because yeah. his, his thematic thing is like, you don't have to be happy all the time. It's okay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Defender Bear is like, I feel, I feel like I blew that mission. And he's like, no, I mean, we, we made it work out. But I was a little <laughs> bit shocked by how you chose to approach that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we will be doing a debrief later. Except they don't. I mean, he doesn't actually say. He doesn't, actually, yeah. he doesn't actually say there's going to be a debrief. It's just I assume there would be. They yeah, did they say don't mission. really do anything. Yeah, well, they don't because the plot kicks in. Yeah. Um, the main plot here is coming from two episodes, and this is the first one: Drab City. Apparently, Professor Coldheart, villain of the Deke cartoon, mm. mm-hmm. um, made some kind of stone that makes people stop caring and makes everything gray. Is that right? Because of course he did. Because that's like all that all that anyone ever does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's acting up again in this place called Rainbow City. And so they've got to get a whole lot of Care Bears over there quickly. And and Care Bear Cousins. I'm sorry, Cousins. The franchise is just <laughs> not named after you. That's <sighs> sad because they're so present in the TV show. Oh, they're yeah. equally main characters. They're yeah. equally, yeah. But when you talk about them, it's hard to make them seem relevant. Right. Is there a Rainbow City in Pokemon? Mm, it wouldn't be called no. Rainbow City, but there's definitely... There's a lot of different colors. Well, there's Palette Town, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that's Rainbow Palette City. is the one that is supposed to be the multicolored in yes. original Pokemon. Okay. But also normal types. Mm-hmm. So. So, Artificial Crystal, it releases decay that turns it into a gray area where people lose their emotions. And they're like, well, we were able to bury it before, but clearly that, situa- that solution's not really working and we don't have a whole lot of time. <laughs> so, just, so, every villains in Care Bears wants people to lose their emotions... Among other things, so right? can we assume that the Vulcan homeworld is someplace where Care Bear villain succeeded? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that sounds probably, like a safe yeah. assumption. <laughs> it is probably the fact that no heart is just behind all of Vulcan culture. I knew it. This is the interesting thing to latch on to about Care Bears, too, is to see, like, how much emotions matter to the creators of Care Yeah, Bears. and, like, the bad like, people aren't, like, bad emotion. It's no emotion. It's no emotion. And yeah. it's depression. Like, depression is the villain. Right. And that's what makes Care Bears, like, so intense to look at from an adult perspective. It was the bad I guy think. in um, Inside Out also. Just yeah. Right. No emotion. Not, no emotion. Yeah. Not yeah. good emotions or bad emotions, but not having emotions. Not having emotions. I mean, that is depression. Yeah. And so that's, I don't know, it's fascinating because this is children's media. <laughs> So, they're trying to brainstorm a plan real quick. Uh, Phoenix gets out his spell book, flips through it, and is like, uh, here's a spell that maybe I can use to put a field around the stone that'll stop the radiation. They're like, are you sure you can do that? He's like, no, but there's a spell here that seems like that's what it does. Radiation? Yeah, they call it radiation. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. Uh, they refer to a Geiger counter. They do, yeah. Remember that. Wow. A Geiger yeah. counter for uncaring radiation. Yes. Huh? And I love that, by the way. I just love that. <laughs> well, again, just like the Wi-Fi, like, of course they have a Geiger counter for uncaring radiation. Cable internet. Right. Cable internet, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is pre-Wi-Fi, I they, think. They yeah. go ahead and do that spell thing. And, you know, there's a little bit of drama doing it. They, like, drop him down. Not drop him down, but have him descend into it. And, you know, 100 feet to the bottom, they're communicating. Oh, yeah, the Geiger counter is a needle. And there's some... So these 
the Care Bears equivalent of pseudoscience, but essentially he gets to cast a spell mm-hmm. and encase the stone in a like magic field sphere thing, and they decide to take it back to Carolot. He says only he should be able to remove the field. Uh, the idea is that Brightheart will take a look at it and so that he and Grumpy can find a way to safely dispose of it. He puts a magic field around it or something. Yeah. And and the idea is they'll take it back and Brightheart and Grumpy, Grumpy being like the secondary mechanic, will hopefully find a way to like neutralize the radiation in the long term. Mm. So they do that and... Yeah, it's it's a plot point too that they trust Defender Bear to put a magical shield around it that no one else can break other than himself. There's Although none of them cast magic, so how do they know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, actually, it's established, well, not that she was on the mission, but Graham is like, oh, yeah, I've got a little magic. Ah, like, yeah, it, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, you didn't think that you were the only bear to cast magic, right? That was actually pretty cute, yeah, yeah because that's how she makes all the clothes <laughs> right. so quickly. Well, it's like, it makes the clothes. And, and the, the tummy symbol on them. Uh, this was back when they were re- requisitioning all their gear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they, they touched the clothes, and the clothes got infused with their personal tummy symbol. Right. And then that was Graham's magic. Yeah. Now, there's this distinction drawn between magic and things that they do with their tummy symbol, which is not, absolutely not called magic in this fanfic. I I think it's clerical spells because it draws from the divine source, which is the the giant star. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Do Care Bear cousins (laughs) draw from any different source, or is it just a different... They don't stare, they call. They call, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As we know... Uh, fewer things are weak against sonic damage, but yeah. also very little resists sonic damage compared to divine. But I think I I believe they have the same source though. It's, it's probably druids and clerics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all, all, all divine source. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, should, should we just make a DD module about the camera? <laughs> I am now tempted to do that. Yes. This fanfic is now, very conducive to that. Idea. Defender Bear, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Now originally I. Not originally. In the past, at some point, I did think about making an amber diceless hack for Care Bears. <laughs> um, now, in that case, having the tummy symbol would be like uh, having walked the pattern in amber diceless, mm-hmm. where it's like oh my you're, God. it's like you're really assumed to Wait. have that, and that's like the basis for a lot of like your powers. Yeah. But you could save a lot of points if you don't take it and put those into something else. Because like the cousins didn't have it until they were discovered by the Care Bears proper. In the that's right. Movie. And in Amber Diceless term, they had to go into negative, like, the there's, experience equivalent when yeah. they got that. I'm sorry, you're saying to pay it a, off later. tabletop for, um... Amber? Did yeah. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. Oh, it's a famous, it's one of the first famous Diceless role-playing games. Wow, that changed my life just now. I'd like <laughs> to walk the pattern in an RPG, though I'd be terrified. Uh, better to start with it. Yeah. When you make your character. Yeah, I tried to save points by not starting with it, and it really screwed me over in the game. <laughs> we played an Amber Diceless one-shot back yeah, you're, you're, in high you're, school. Your older sibling and I fought a lot now. <laughs> Likewise, I would probably take the tummy symbol. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be smarter. That's like, fair. it's just going to cause problems if you're trying to get around without one. <laughs> I think they use yeah. it to, like, call the cars, too, don't they? Uh, yeah, they, they create the cloud cars yeah, from the tummy they, symbols. Most mm-hmm. of their magic, like, all of their magic comes from that. Um, and it's interesting, too, because, like... The thing about uh, Phoenix is, like, they recognize that he was always supposed to be a Care Bearer, basically. Well, that's why he looks like that. And, yeah, he thought they thought he was dead. We did. But they hesitate around giving him the tummy symbol, too. We didn't mention, but, like, they yeah. they 
briefly mentioned at the end of chapter one, beginning of chapter two, about Phoenix's actual origins. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's he, very brief. True Heart yeah. and Noble Heart are like, oh, we did hear when we were pursuing No Heart at one point, we saw it. Had we we dropped like, a baby. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, we, and we, we thought, thought Dark We yeah. thought Dark Heart killed it. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Something like that? And they say that in one paragraph in chapter one, one paragraph in chapter two. And the truth is that actually he, uh, Phoenix was dead, and it was the Phoenix that resurrected him. Brought him back to life. Ah, back that's to life. right. Yes. Well, so they thought they had, they had killed the kid, and they were just going They were on. just like, that's a good kid. <laughs> look, look, they only killed the one, okay? I know. That's they pretty good her. considering well, how many babies they, they had. They, they had a lot, thought actually, yeah. that... Um, uh, Perfect and Polite Panda were dead as well until they found them in Paradise yeah. mm-hmm. Valley, Paradise something. Anyway. Paradise Lost? Yeah, <laughs> that yes, one. In, yes, in hell. In Milton's Paradise Lost. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I okay. I feel like... In Dante's Inferno. If you dropped a bunch of Care Bears into Dante's Inferno, they would wreck shit. Mm. Like, <laughs> tummy symbols have got to go pretty far in that context. What is this podcast? <laughs> Like, can you just imagine, like, bringing back caring to the people in limbo and, like, oh, suddenly, like, everyone's ascending to well, heaven or something. Well, purgatory. No, purgatory, okay, not yeah. limbo. You're right. Actually, they're not there because they don't care. They're not care because they're not... I thought we were talking about Milton. Not yeah, Dante. never mind. <laughs> Let's they, just move on. Oh, Dante, we're talking about Milton. Milton mm. had uh, Paradise Lost. And okay, he, right, right. He also had a trilogy, but Dante had... In- the Divine Comedy, mm-hmm. Inferno, Purgatorio, and I don't remember what Even though was I was called. thinking of Dante, actually probably Care Bears in Hell would no, not do Dante, so well. Sam, Whereas Sam, Care Bears somewhere. in Paradise Lost, actually, you could probably just probably turn that whole situation around with a little bit of caring. But Paradise Lost also was a trilogy because it was like Paradise Lost, Paradise Found, Paradise Regained. I don't remember exactly what they're called. I'm sorry, I'm a bad English major at this mm. point. It's been That's a long okay. time. Why did you major in bad English? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should have done. <laughs> For real. After the mission, they go back. Uh, Defender Bear has a little bit more training. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. They're training in the gymnasium. Like, this is not the worst Marty stew or whatever you want to call it type fanfic I've ever read. But Defender Bear picks up a sword and fe- feels like... When he's swinging around a staff or a sword, it just feels natural. Like I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Uh, Two things. Let's not call it a Marty Stew because this is literally like tons of pieces of media. Like every media geared toward adolescent boys creates this. And fan fiction was picked on for having these stereotypical characters, even though they were in every piece of media that was feeding into the fan fiction that was being created. Right. So no true. wonder that happened. I don't mean to but, be mean to fanfic. I don't usually use those sort of fanfic derogatory no, terms. I, what else would you call it? Like main character syndrome or something? New character syndrome, maybe? I don't think you need to call it anything. It's I, definitely a thing, though. It needs, it needs a category. Okay, that might be fair. You might be right. It's a kind of trope where it's just that when you're creating a new character and you want to make them cool. Make them the like best. Gi- yeah. Giving them something that's cool and unique is natural. But then there's a tendency to go, like, among, you know, amateur authors, like are the type we're reading, to go a little bit too far in giving them something unique that's cool. And so but it's we, not unique. I think that's the uh, There are point. no other Care Bears that use a sword. No, but that's my point, is like, yes, okay, it's unique amongst Care Bears, <laughs> yeah, it, it, but using a sword is not unique. It's but that's the not least what I mean. unique. No, it's, it's unique in the context I, I of the story that, that exists. Yes. Right, right. So, like, a Care Bear that can use magic, that's plenty. Yeah, you sure. don't. It doesn't have to be a Care Bear who can use magic and weaponry. Like, I'm not even sure why they have a sword in the gymnasium. I guess they're fencing it, for fun. Well, like, the gymnasium was something <laughs> that... Um, 
Phoenix magically created out of a broom closet. Oh, and is that right? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, created a gymnasium to practice with a sword of broom closet. However, Phoenix's sword skills, as I recall, never become relevant again. They don't. This is just a but scene. It's a vignette. It's like, but that's hey, part of the this thing. character trans with a sword. And the fact that's not relevant is like, what the heck, man? Like, it reminds me of this kid that I used to train in martial arts who was like 16 or 17. And he used to carry, like, you know, we had a, a sword class. We had a kinjutsu class. He used to carry his sword, all his practice sword, all around on his back all the time. And I swear to God, one time I saw him ninja run, like an anime character, through the mall. There's always that Like, with the, the arms behind you. I was yeah. like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be too harsh, but there's a certain point where... I have a hard time with this because I don't want to be an asshole to these kids who are trying to figure themselves out. And anime is this mediating force. But also there's this strange thing where kids latch on to these identities and they represent, I think, this sort of like hyper masculinity to them and this weird sort of identity and it's sort of appropriative and it's sort of racist and it's sort of just bizarre. And I'm like, y'all need to calm down. That's kind of how I feel about it. Just just calm down. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I feel about this character in that moment is it's like, I trained with a sword. I'm so cool. <laughs> like, just calm down. It's like, I wouldn't mind if the fact that the character wants to train with a sword is fine, but it's like the fact that he's awesome at it is kind of irksome. Like, if he trained with yes. it and it was like yes. bad that's at really it, good point. that would be a fun character moment. He's already exactly. a natural at magic. Yes. And there were other ways you could have done that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And that, I think that's the same thing we're talking about with the Mary C. and Mary C. thing, is it's frustrating when a character is... Always good at everything. Always good at everything, and especially at least very specific things, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's not interesting. Dom, I see how, what do you mean how that could be a good character moment? Mm-hmm. In that he's coming from outside the Care Bear culture. Yeah. And so being able to ask some questions like, well, how would you train with stabs or whatever? Yeah. And they're just like, uh, why? <laughs> and he's like, well, wouldn't it be useful to like, have like a backup? Yeah, but why, why wouldn't you? When in a physical combat, like, whoa, 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 slow down. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. just, just to have that outside culture perspective. And, yeah. Yeah. But that's not quite how it comes across. Yeah. So I think what I'm saying is I want to edit this piece and remake it. <laughs> yeah. yeah well. well, and but I think that's a promising thing to say, like the fact that you want to edit it and make it into something. It means there's something here. Mm. Like, I feel like there is something here, even though a lot of it reads really cliche and really like, yeah, that sort of thing where you're just like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now in the back half of chapter two, immediately having contained this evil magic stone... Like, that very night, I think, No Heart, who um, is miffed at Phoenix having gotten his way before, kind of possesses him at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the process, Phoenix gets a bad dream of seeing the Care Bears and Cousins as, like, monochrome and pursuing him. And it, Did they mention as why No Heart was able to do this and why they didn't do it, didn't do it before? It seems like No Heart could just do this at any time. Mm. Uh, maybe I it has think... to do with being stronger now for unexplained reasons. I think also that No Heart has identified Phoenix Audubon as a threat and identified him and, and pursued him actively. Well, also, he's he's possessing Phoenix right now to get him to remove the barrier on yes. the stone to seal the stone. I just heard you say Phoenix right. <laughs> uh, yes. 
Noheart is possessing Phoenix Wright <laughs> so that murderers will get away with murder. Objection. <laughs> uh, Noheart possesses Phoenix Audubon here to get him to remove the barrier on that stone uh, so that he can steal it for his own purposes. I was saying he has that nightmare in the process of being possessed about being pursued by the Care Bears and Cousins, who are all, like, monochrome, black and white, and it's kind of effective in terms of expressing his anxiety over being rejected by his new family. But, you know, he doesn't know when he woke up that he's been possessed. They just find out that the stone's missing, and everyone's like, what happened? Right. <laughs> we thought that it was safe in your magic spell, and yeah. he's like, I thought um, it was safe in my magic he, spell. He just wakes up, hey, guys. All the guys are like, hey, guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's Cher up Bear. with you? Nothing? Sh- what's up like, with you? <laughs> again, it's Sherbear who's like, yo, dude. I was you, afraid this would happen. Yeah, like, not just... Not, necessarily accusing phoenix of stealing it but accusing him of being incompetent being incompetent yeah like saying like his spell would work and this is totally fair because they welcomed someone in their family they didn't really know very well and they just trusted the fact that his spell would work even though he's new at magic yep so i actually think this is totally fair for share bear to be like um y'all just trusted that his magic would work yeah but i can't get past why share bear I know, what, what, why Sharebear? Why Sharebear specifically? Yeah, can, can we just swap Sharebear and Grumpy for this fanfic? I, I mean, guess. I guess the author didn't want to pick on Grumpy too much. Right, I understand not I wanting know. to pick on Grumpy, but it just feels really arbitrary. It does. For, like, Sharebear to be all Cher-Bear, like, we like blindly put our faith in it, and now we all paid the price for such naivete. <laughs> I mean, it's Sharebear. Like, he's supposed to share. Like, he's supposed to be... Anyway. Yeah, well. Anyway, they don't get to... Braveheart kind of breaks that up. It's like, okay, Squabbling's not going to get us anywhere. We need to... And then the carrying meter's going off. Uh, Something bad's happening. It's happening in Paradise Valley. Paradise Valley is where the one-shot episode characters, uh, Perfect and Polite Panda, hang out. They are Care Bear family members who don't live with the Care Bears because they're cultural outsiders, I guess, and it's a little awkward. And No, well, because... No, there's because a the, reason that the fanfic right. explains, which that's was right. actually a really nice explanation for anyone who wasn't, like, super familiar with all the Care Bears lore, which is me, because I haven't watched it since <laughs> I was, like, a small child. They need to be there to maintain the good weather in this little area of the Himalayas, and so the yes. humans around there rely on them. They initially left to join the Care Bear village, but when the weather started getting bad, all the crops started dying, and all the people were suffering because Perfect and Polite created the tropical climate in the Himalayas, they returned to keep those people safe, which yes. I love that the fan fiction reiterates for us. Because I have not seen that episode. Yeah, now. me neither. I mean, I've seen it probably when I was four or five, but I'm like almost 30 now, so that's, yeah, couldn't remember that. Does that mean that good weather that is good for crops could be described as polite weather? Perfect and polite or weather? perfect, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Polite's an interesting Care Bearer-type adjective. Well, it's alliterative, so... That's true. That's why they chose that. Perfect item. and... Poise? Poised. Perfect and... Presumptuous. <laughs> Pulp. Pretty Perfect and pulp panda. There we go. Pretty nice panda. Now, pulp panda should be the Care Bear family member who uses weaponry. Right. <laughs> like, Phoenix Audubon should have been pulp panda. Just saying. I would read pulp panda. Care Bears fanfic, yes. Um, a bunch of Care Bears go down to investigate because, you know, something they know something bad's happening down there. Mm-hmm. And they... 
can't find what's going on. And they all return to Carolot. And then a huge rainstorm is coming, and it's a evil thunderclap rainstorm, and it is no heart. No heart, by the way, we haven't mentioned he's just an evil wizard. You can't see his face. Evil shape changing wizard, which is not like um, Dark Heart, which is an evil shape changing cloud. Well, we yeah, well Dark Heart no is an evil shape changing the devil, whereas yeah. uh, <laughs> No Heart is an evil shape changing. I don't know. He's uh, <laughs> a wizard with a, a bumbling companion, Beastly. I was a little sad that we got no Shrieky in this fanfic. Yeah. Shrieky is his fair. niece because no heart like Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse has contracted that disease where you get a <laughs> uh, a niece or a nephew with no other relations. <laughs> with no siblings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you just don't know how. But they hang out all the time and you're supposed to take care of them now. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want to contract that disease. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel that way, too. <laughs> um, so he kind of comes in and he captures a whole bunch of Care Bears and uh, retreats, and he's just too strong now. Yep. Did, did they mention why? No. <laughs> he sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> now, ah, no, they do. He's using a spell called the Cloud of Uncaring, and that's oh. something that he did do in another episode. This is another episode that the fanfic is drawing from correctly. Mm. But this is stronger now because he is using that stone that he stole that Professor Coldheart had developed in a different TV series. Right. That could be the same continuity if you squint. <laughs> uh, even though it doesn't interact with the movie two background or characters or any of that, so whatever. Well, they mentioned Darkheart killed uh, Phoenix Audubon earlier. Right. Yeah. Darkheart killed Phoenix Audubon? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, that is what happened, yes. So that's why. It's a cloud of uncaring. He overwhelms the Care Bears with it. Care Bear Stairs are no longer doing it. Clearly, oh. they should have a sword or something. Nobody uses swords. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, he does not take all of the Care Bears, just, I believe, some of them. So... There's a few people back to pick up the pieces in Carolot. Uh, Cheer Bear, Defender Bear. They kind of reconvene. 19 casualties, they say, counting perfect and polite panda. Casualties meaning they were captured by no heart. Right. Yes. And removed, their feelings were removed and they were created. Do, do we want to say this at this point? Um, they don't quite know what's happened. Well, I guess yeah. they know what the, the cloud of feeling does. Yeah, they, do. they, they know that it Is removes it your feelings, like friggin' everything does in Care Bears. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that can crash Carolot is none of the Care Bears being caring anymore. And yes. I think that is a continuity point as well. Uh, in addition to one small kid bullying another small kid, like, this is also an issue. <laughs> so if they all get captured and cloud of feelings, cloud of uncaring or whatever, then uh, Carolot's going to fall apart. And then they act like there's no coming back from that. I kind of figure the Great Wishing Star could probably make another Carolot if he really needed one. Well, we're best to find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Noble Heart has to give a pep talk where he's like, well, we're going in to save them. Like, it doesn't seem like good odds, but never tell me the odds. <laughs> at, <laughs> at 10 o'clock, we move out. That is, of course, 10 o'clock military time. Mm. I assume. Yeah, one assumes uh, fan fiction. Ten hundred. Yeah. And Defender gets a few moments with a few other uh, characters, including the girl who he talked to earlier on back down on Earth. And she's just like, she gets to be an adorable moppet to be a symbol of what we are fighting for, basically. Right. Um, 
Is this also when he has a conversation with Wishbear again? Yes. Wishbear, as they're like heading up to gear in, heading up to gear in, gearing up to head in to the <laughs> castle and such. Um, he talks to Wishbear and she explains that uh, she was hit by the cloud of uncaring the first time and, you know, knows what it feels like to have the feelings yes. washed away. So she has some trauma. Yeah. Some and Care Bear trauma. And, and that's an interesting point with uh, Phoenix and Wishbear is that they have an emotional moment, but Wishbear also talks about her trauma, which is why she has such difficulty facing this menace. Yeah. But she got hit with it because she was saving another little kid from being hit with it. Yeah. And so that also is a point of admiration for Defender Bear. He's like, oh, wow, you're that was very selfless, and I'll try to protect you this time. I promise I will save you from danger. Yeah, and then you get this kind of funny impression because, you know, it seems Defender Bear is so innocent in this, and Wish Bear has been through so much. And this is a point, like, I want to give props to the author. Like, I don't know if the author acknowledged this, necessarily if this is what they were going for but it, it gives this sort of certain sense of like defender bear being very naive having mm. never faced this menace and wish bear when wish bear says i have this trauma and it's severe and significant and that's why this is so hard for me defender bear is kind of like bumbling it doesn't know exactly what to do about it and that's an interesting point you can see what the author is doing with it and or going for yeah i don't know if the author was intending to imply that Wish Bear, like, they definitely acknowledge that Wish Bear has trauma. And I think that was a really important point in the fan fiction for me to see that the author had that emotional sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Now, they invade the castle. They're almost immediately just overwhelmed by No Heart. Like, Wish Bear and Defender Bear are separated, um, and he sicks the cloud on them while he is. I don't know, he's got something else to do. He's like, I think I will allow my dear Cloud the pleasure of dispatching you too, Mr. Bond. And <laughs> the clouds of uncaring descend on them. They're getting all backed up. He manages to get them to escape briefly. They like kind of dive down through a lower window when they're you know up on a ledge. And it they find where all the other Care Bears are being kept. And they're all just frozen in time and gray. Is this and still this chapter two? This is three now. This is well, three. We're, we're coming on towards the end. Right. And this is a wish bear, or no, wish bear. Uh, this is a Phoenix's new trauma now because he's seeing all his, his recently developed family lifeless and heartless and emotionless and frozen in their states of terror. Yep. And that's pretty intense, the way it's described. Their faces paralyzed with expressions of agony, anxiety, and anguish. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and But then No Heart just kind of comes and confronts them again there. Um, and Defender's like, I will stop you. And No Heart is like, yeah, you, you cannot do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, even with all the magical power residing within you. I don't remember how No Heart talks. Anyway, even with all that power, you couldn't master it enough to stop me. No Heart mocked the white bear. You have been nothing but an annoying little thorn in my plans. I will enjoy res- removing you from them. And he gets to resist the spell a little bit. But... Eventually, he falls too. That's all of them. Mm-hmm. Back at Carolot, the carry meter drops to zero, and the whole thing is kind of starting to wither and shatter and crack. Actually, I think it just gets destroyed the whole way. But the power of love saves the day. Um, Defender Bear okay, retains okay. enough consciousness to see Wish Bear, and he's like, something about her seems familiar. Oh, right, she's, she's Wish Bear. Like, shooting stars remind him. And... He wants to do something for her, 
and he gets to kind of just revive himself. I guess he's got Phoenix magic, so that seems like a sort of thing that you can do, right? Yeah, like, at first, at that point, point, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of, uh... And then I remembered the Phoenix magic, and I thought, yeah, reviving from this kind of near-death of emotionlessness is very Phoenix magic-y, right? And he's got flames so, igniting all over his body when this is yes, happening. Yes, when this is happening. I, so it actually made sense. It. Yeah, <laughs> like, this character, yeah, you see him as this cliche trope of, like, the outsider who comes in, and he struggles, and then he assimilates, and then he has to save the whole family. And that can feel a little forced, but in the magic of the Phoenix, it feels less forced. So I do give props to the author for like creating that setup for having the Phoenix magic to revive himself from the lack of carrying through the fire of the Phoenix, I suppose, you know, like that made sense in that certain way. And in an impressive, you know, blast of magic that is visible from Earth, like he manages to uh, destroy the cloud and drive away no heart and all that. Actually, another interesting point in this was that he cried over Wishbear, but mm-hmm. did not revive her through his crying. It was through this sense of like, oh, this burst of magic might be what does it. Well, like he needs to save the whole family. Yes. But, to, you know, speaking of standard tropes, we're going over yes. to Sailor Moon now. Him having used the silver crystal, he <laughs> dies. Yes. For a, for a hot second. He does die. Yeah. But I liked that him crying over Wishbear didn't necessarily revive everyone. It was that he had to sacrifice himself. And and that was still tropey, but it was like he did make the attempt to cry over Wishbear, and it just didn't work. Wait, but are you, are you remembering what happens immediately after this? Well, yeah. Wishbear cries over him. It does. And that revives that, him. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm setting okay. up for, is that for him, crying over Wishbear didn't work. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. He had to sacrifice himself. But yes, we will continue with the plot if you want to keep going. <laughs> I mean, that's most of the plot. And if any... Wishbear cries over him. And that works because she's Wishbear. Yeah. If anyone's because going to cry wishes, over somebody and revive right? them like Pikachu in the first Pokemon movie, yeah. it's going to be Wishbear. <laughs> she's Wishbear because she made a wish. Like, she explicitly actually makes a wish before she cries. Mm-hmm. And it's a super tropey and it's super pulpy. But I liked that the author... Had him make the like he didn't consciously make an attempt to cry over her and reawaken her, but he did do it and it didn't work. And like he acknowledges it in the moment. He's like, "I'm crying and it's not working," sort of thing. Like not oh, that wait. he thinks it's going to, but I am actually forgetting this this order of things. Hmm. He uses the magic. Mm-hmm. Wish Bear isn't coming back. And mm-hmm. he uses his magic and sacrifices his life to revive her. Yes. And then she uses her magic to revive him. Yes. And so, absolutely, we need to do a Care Bears D&D interpretation where, <laughs> you know, like, someone dies, yeah. but you can cast Ray's dead, it's okay. Like, let's see if they lose a point of con. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the thing, is, like, he he does cry over her, and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was such an important point, is that, like, his magic was the magic of the phoenix, and her magic was the magic pardon, of wishes. Yeah. So it actually made sense in a, in a bizarre, very tropey way, but it made sense. Mm-hmm. And then to cap off all of the tropes, everyone has to join their powers and feelings together in order to revive Carolot and the Forest of Feelings. Mm-hmm. Now, my recollection from the first movie is that Forest of Feelings, Carolot, and Earth are all the same, possibly all as one. That's a lyric from one of the songs. Oh. I, I don't know. It's stuck in yeah. my head from my childhood. But uh, but whatever. Well, it's not all the cloud stuff is way above the earth because in the Care Bears 2 movie, they, they, um, 
and do a Halo drop the first time. <clears throat> oh, do they? Because they don't have the cars yet. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and even Phoenix, having been just revived by Wishbeard, manages to be conscious enough, long enough to like say, "Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm up. I'll provide my tummy symbol to help revive." We care. We care. We care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is what they say, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up in uh, Take Care Bear's clinic, and he and Wishbear get to, like, confess their feelings to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's considered, and it's very much set up to be the first part in a series of stories. Because he kind of gets to look at himself in the mirror and think, uh, how did I know what to do earlier? Where did these ideas come from? And what else am I capable of? And then... He would leave all of his questions and worries at home, for now was not a time for fear. It was a time to celebrate new friendships and new successes. He knew he'd have to face all of his concerns sooner or later, but right now, Phoenix Audubon, Defender Bear, would only let himself think about the good times of today. And that's, like, how the fanfic ends. Uh, uh, Also, um, um, Phoenix and Wish Bear softly kiss. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, Yeah. of course. For and, this... and that's the only weird part of this. And gratefully, they, they had a romance without sexualizing it because they're literally like plush bears. So. <laughs> Don't they literally have the little heart on their like butt? Like right that, butt cheek or something? Right. Like yeah, maybe left. Yeah, maybe left. Um, right or that, left is one or the other. That's where the Care chance. Bears... <laughs> <laughs> that like on the dolls, that's where it says like Care Bears and like yeah, the yeah. franchise thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was totally glossing over the romance there for our Valentine's Day episode here because I <laughs> don't I particularly care. Well, it, it's kind of a funny one. Like, <laughs> so they set up a romance, but it just felt so bizarre. So. It's it's just very straightforward. It, I, it, it is. I'm just glad they could have gone places with it, and they didn't, and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. That's all. As a heterosexual guy... This is not quite how heterosexual romance goes normally. Amato, the heterosexual guy. <laughs> Thank you for informing us, Amato, the heterosexual guy. I mean, guy. media might make you think it's exactly this straightforward, but usually not. I mean, on this podcast, it is a but bit of a prestigious title. Neither is a, a fight for, um, you know, like, saving the world that's straightforward. or any. I mean, not that that's a thing that we have, like, necessarily... Um, a real context for but what I'm saying is they're going with the tropes and that's fine yeah and that's how the fanfic concludes it concluded like it started very pulpy mm-hmm. and now oh go on oh no I was just gonna say it's kind of like when we were talking about um, I think the last time I commented on this was Sailor Trek and just like when the goals of the fanfic writer are very modest mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you can feel good about it because they, they usually hit on them. Like, it's not trying no, to be great. anything more yeah. than, like, a pulpy new character, Care Bear story. Yeah. That absolutely leads exactly into what I was going to say. Is like, when you were reminding me that I'd used the word pulpy before, mm-hmm. and we've reiterated it because I brought it up before, it reminded me of what the word pulp is supposed to mean. It's essentially meaning paper pulp. Like, the right. words are worth no more than the paper they're written well, on. It, it, it's cheap and paper. Yeah, so it's supposed it's to be, cheap. like, transitory entertainment. But it reminded me of that, and it reminded me of... It's worth a lot more, because it's this high fiction, this literary critic interpretation of pulp is... These words aren't worth anything. They're just they're just paper pulp. They're just... Mm-hmm. They just spewed out. But oftentimes, pulp is... Um, 
about the reader's enjoyment. It's a reiteration of the hero's journey that's very enjoyable. And it's ironic that we'll see, you know, Homer writing something worthwhile, but we'll see this as paper pulp, something Mm -hmm. disposable. But this is very much a reiteration of the hero's journey, and it's something that the reader derives enjoyment of. Um, or with, like, just, I just felt like it was a good point to point out that we have a hero's journey arc taking place here. And it, I think it's very enjoyable for a lot of readers, you know, like, just like Care Bears is, it's mm-hmm. simple and it's straightforward, but it's fun to watch and it's fun to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose that's my praise for this. <laughs> Should we back up into our normal things about things that annoyed us about the fanfic and then things we want to praise about it? I think I've kind of talked about what got on my case the most, mm-hmm. just the different formatting and like it could have been because like it, it was it did have a lot of Care Bears tone and I, I was okay with that because that was in um that was in a step with the franchise. If they would have like changed the order of some of the things or just changed the uh, context of some of the things, it would have been uh, a pretty interesting fan fiction Care Bears like episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've already uh, spoken my praise for it in the sense that it it is that pulpy thing, but something you enjoy. And I agree that it fits the tone of Care Bears. So I, I would say that that's true. Mm-hmm. I'd say I think Phoenix does go a little bit too far as a new character. Mm-hmm. And there's ways you could have dialed back the uniqueness a little bit. Like, you know, even magic as a unique point feels I struggle to accept it for a character because in a in a story like this magic is just whatever you want it to be yeah. whatever you the author want it to be yeah and that means that he can take center stage in any given conflict if the author wants him to also it and, kind of established that he's a third character with magic in the story I will after yeah. no heart and grams. Graham, Graham Bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in in terms of criticism my my main criticism is also the main character like just the flavor of the character is it's not that it's boring or redundant you know i think that would be fine Mm -hmm. it's that the character seems had to have a false humility Mm -hmm. like this whole like oh i don't understand where i fit in and then i'm gonna do something incredibly great at like totally spontaneously because i'm so good in secret it read like that kind of yeah wait male self-insertion yeah. that is and so irritating. I probably like, would name the bear something different than Defender. Yeah. How about Unique Bear? Unique Bear would have been better. <laughs> like, I, I thought that at the time. I don't know about that. Defender Bear. Like, I am the defender of all these people, even though I've just met them. Maybe, yeah. like, I hardly know them. Like, it's almost like there's no room for him to make mistakes. His mistake, he doesn't have a mistake. It's that he falls asleep and sleepwalks while yeah. he's being manipulated. It's not even a mistake. I, it's like he's falsely accused most of the time I rather like than having he, any errors. You could have gotten the feeling across with a different, more sympathetic name. Yeah. Mm. Maybe like Family Bear? The name would have been better. Fam- oh, that would be a cute name for it. It would right? be cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also felt like he had sympathetic character points, like such as being shy, but as soon as 
he gets in with the family, his shyness goes away. And the he other doesn't have anxiety out, anymore, like, right? No, they're like, your shyness went away, right? And he starts acting cocky, and he starts acting weird, and he becomes so much less relatable. And even before that, his relatability is his shyness, and that's only demonstrated a couple points in time. Like, mm-hmm. otherwise, in his mind, he's cocky. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't like that. I found him unlikable. And going back to, like, what I was saying about magic as a plot device that the author uses, like, it... It's only a problem when it's to the detriment of other characters, and it often is in this fanfic, where it's just like, oh, no heart is too strong for these characters to deal with, so, you know, Defender Bear has to do it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, that we yeah, don't have time to come weird, up with another right? plan for this stone, so Defender Bear needs to do it. Yeah, and, like, we're all going so to lose weird. to no heart in our castle, so Defender Bear needs to do it. Like, he's... It, and it's just how the plot is structured with this character and with this right. character's abilities. It's like they say that they don't trust him, and they say that he's not ready, and they say all these things, but yet the reality of the plot is that they rely on him all the right. time. And that feels weird. And now let's end on a positive note and go back over what we think are the best points of the fanfic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tori, you just kind of had your whole discourse, and I think that's okay. all, you know, good stuff to discuss. Um, for me, I feel like you can feel the good vibes from authors that are having fun with what they're writing, and I, I feel it here. And they're having fun. They are, it's really charming that it's like an, an Air Force guy who's like going back to a franchise because they were reminded of it at the anniversary and is like, I want to play around in that sandbox. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing that's not earnest about the fanfic. The pitfalls that happen here happen to all kinds of fanfic authors who are writing their first stories, you know? Yeah. Again, and it's, <laughs> it's pulp. Like, it, it plays into that, right? Yeah. And so it's very appropriate to Care Bears that, like, I didn't. I kind of got fuzzy feelings reading it and being like, oh, it's like, it's fandom love being expressed towards this very, very fuzzy franchise. It is kind of sweet to imagine, like, an Air Force dude in his, like, you know, mid or late 20s writing about Care Bears. Mm -hmm. It is kind of sweet. I forgot. (laughs) Sorry. Take a moment. I feel like there's a lot of good bones of a story in this. There was a lot of a lot of decent ideas for bringing an outsider into the, this this space they want to pl- play around in, and I, I saw a good deal of potential in this. I think. Yeah, I think you were right pointing it out that like our urges to edit it are a good sign in a sense. That there's a good yeah. idea. <laughs> I, I yeah. totally agree with that. All right. So thank you to the author Phoenix Audubon, Phoenix Autobot, <laughs> transform and roll out. Well, I, I think my More actual love. criticism was there's no mention of the um, uh, certified Nina Mason Flame Rio Salado Audubon Center in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's my main criticism. He does mention too. the guy who it's named after though. Because that's the connection. Is like, I have a unique relationship with birds. Oh, right. Because I was raised by one. He doesn't have a conversation with, uh, what's the penguin's name? Uh, Playful heart penguin? I don't know. Well, yeah, it's a cousin, so it's something heart heart. animal. Something heart animal, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and you were noting that the penguin's the only non-mammal. Only non-mammal, yeah. Yeah, he he has that (laughs) line about having a special relationship with birds. He should have chatted with the penguin. It should have been main character. (laughs) Well, we'll get it in the second rewrite, yeah. There you go. Uh, anyway, I was going to thank Phoenix Audubon for writing a bunch of fan fiction, putting it on the internet, and then being gracious about us talking about it at length. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank awesome. you. And we had fun talking about it. 
Yeah, I hope we weren't too mean. Uh, I don't think we were too mean. I mean, I think we were nice, but you never know. I think we were just mean enough. <laughs> <laughs> just mean enough to get that second rewrite where he becomes best friends with Cozy Heart Penguin. Cozy Heart Penguin, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's just switch the romance over to Cozy Heart Penguin. That'd I don't know nice, their gender. Right? I don't care. Um, it would make more sense for the characters have gender. Bird. I just want to say, this is my main impression. <laughs> My only criticism is the gendering of Care Bears here. Uh, canonically, they do, though. Yeah. Shh. Sometimes they switch between series. It's like Secret Bear used to be gendered as male <laughs> and now is gendered as female or vice versa. I don't know. That's what, what I'm trying what to gender say. Is, it's a secret. What gender is secret? Don't, it's a secret. Shh. <laughs> Stop joke, dude. Um, Just like me. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> now that we are safely away from Valentine's Day... Mm -hmm. Our next fanfic will be shipping. And I know we have been not having nearly enough gay on this show for some people's tastes. So we'll get a little bit more of it. Eh, Just a little. gay to me. Because it's a short <laughs> fanfic. We are going to be looking at They Say of the Elves, a Lord of the Rings fanfiction by Brancher. You can find our link to it at bit.ly slash rfrelves. That's what it's called? They Say of the Elves? They Say of the Elves. It sounds kind of like it should be said, you know, they say of the elves. That's yeah, exactly, exactly what it's supposed to be. Oh. Yeah. They say of the elves that they're gay. We'll just have to talk, talk <laughs> that, like this that's the whole time. Like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know? I, I believe oh. they may say of the elves that they are sexually promiscuous, yes. Oh. I've heard tell of the elves. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly more so than of the bears, yes. I feel like I've heard more tell of the bears than I ever wanted to hear in particular instance. But... What kind of bears? We... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Moving on. Good point. Does Gimli count as a bear? Let's just get that out there before yes. we read this. Gimli is a total bear. Isn't but... he too short? Would it be a bear cub or something? <laughs> no, 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 no. They bear cubs bear cub? are like less hairy and more slender, but mm. it doesn't matter your height if you're a bear. Okay. This cool. is my opinion. Although I'm only 5'4", so I can't speak very well to this whole situation because everyone's taller than me. As for this episode, this was episode Except 24 Gimli. of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Rise and Fall by Phoenix Audubon. You can find it on fanfiction.net. Our link there is bit.ly slash rise, which means we now have a bit.ly link for RFR Rise and for RFR Fall. <laughs> Nowhere near related, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> that one was Fall Maybe of the Republic. If you uh, yeah. read them together, it would be very interesting. No, it wouldn't. It would no, be completely would, no. unconnected. <laughs> I can sense a connection through the Force. Mm. I think <laughs> through, through that last drink. Yeah. <laughs> Both are applicable. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. I have now said retro fanfic retrospective enough times. <laughs> I hope. Leaving comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular would also be greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. I hope you all had a great Valentine's Day. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, whatever that means. I'm sure everybody was out watching the, the new Battle Angel Alita movie. Uh, <laughs> buy a greeting card for your significant other. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Oh, yes. yeah. That that's the theme, okay. Buy a greeting yeah. card with a Care Bear greeting on card, it. Greeting card, Care Bear. <laughs>
And we come full circle. I was just pausing about whether it's more distressing for me to look at the Alita from the Battle Angel Alita movie <laughs> or to look at Noble Heart Horse. It's got to be Noble Heart Horse. I'm yeah. So but then yeah. again, the Battle Angel Alita movie is... Those eyes are so big. Why? <laughs> it's so big. Why? Well, they're trying to make it look distressingly anime transposed onto I real know, life. but it's do that in real life. <laughs> like, Battle Angel Alita is such a serious thing, and they're just making it... It just... I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we are just three, sadly, earthbound life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. We love you. Take care, bear. We, we care. <laughs> we care. <laughs> We care. We care. We care. We care. We care. care. Uh, You're sounding like a cult now. (laughs) We care. We Care Bears fan yeah. episode. You don't know. <laughs> you I, well, I can barely find any other Care Bears fan fiction. Uh, I gotta say. <laughs>